Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the trade deadline edition of Swings and Mishes. I'm your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by the man who broke the Marlins trades himself, Craig Mish. Craig, how you doing on this Tuesday after what was a very, very, very busy Monday for you on the trade deadline? Always a really busy day, always a day where I know that when I check my phone on Sunday night after the week and I see how much time I've been on it, it's going to make me feel really bad about myself, just the <laughs> amount of time that I've been texting and calling and speaking to people. And, and that was really the entire day yesterday. And it, it certainly, I didn't believe it was going to start off that way, given what I was told in the morning. But certainly, Jeremy, as everybody knows by now, it became another active deadline for the Marlins for the second straight year. Yeah, and you were active from early in the day. If you guys check on Twitter, I, I tweeted out our conversation yesterday. At like 12 o'clock, you were letting me know about Starlin Marte. So let's start there. The first trade that the Marlins made was for Starling Marte. He's batting 311 with a couple of homers, a 827 OPS for Arizona. He's a two-time gold glover. In exchange, the Marlins traded away Caleb Smith, Humberto Mejia, and low-level prospect Julio Frias. What are your thoughts on that first trade for the Miami Marlins, Craig? Yeah, I think it's important to note that normally trades don't just happen out of nowhere. There is familiarity. There are discussions. And and I think, and let's talk about from Arizona's perspective first. Uh, there's a couple of things in play. The first is clearly they had made the decision probably, I would say, Saturday, uh, that that they were going to uh, start being sellers. And, and I thought that once you started seeing some of the national reporters mention that that could happen, I think that's when things started getting a little uh, more heated up. And so you are right. Uh, on, on Monday around noon was when, uh, maybe a little bit after that, was when I first st- started to get an inkling that this could actually happen. And so uh, I wanted to be really careful with it because, again, sometimes you don't know what's real or what's not. And when I when I report, if I hear it from one person, it gets my attention. But when I hear it from another, and it's it's sort of what we would call like double sourcing, then I know at that point it is uh, it is legitimate. So as the day went on, and and after I texted you, uh, you know, then uh, John Heyman of MLB Network uh, mentioned it, and then at that point I knew that this was not only real, but there was a real chance of it happening. Because if we were still getting into the later part of the day with discussions being open, then there was a chance of that. And so that's how the reporting went for me uh, on that end. And then just before, I I forget what time it was, but later in the day, I I had got the word that that, uh, the deal was very close to done and was going to get done. But I said it was close because I don't want to say something that's not. You never know. So uh, look, what do I think about the deal? Uh, Starling Marte, is uh, is an all-star. He's a Gold Glove Award winner. He's very consistent. He gives you quality at-bats, and, and that's going to be super important. I think that's really why the Marlins go into these funks and these slumps, because offensively, while they do have a few good quality hitters on the team, there are a lot. there's a lot of youth. And when you're Correct. mixing in Monte Harrison and Lewis Brinson and Jesus Sanchez and Lewin Diaz, they have no, almost no plate appearances at the big league level outside of Brinson. So you're going to expect a lot of struggles. Now, when you're talking about having two guys in the lineup like that, pitchers can attack you that way. They know you're going to reach outside of the zone. And, and, the, and it's an unbelievable scouting by every team now. They have film. They, have, they know exactly how to go after you. And so I, I think that that was key. 
And I think that that is a signal that Starling Marte is going to be the center fielder of 2020. He's going to be the center fielder of 2021. Right. And he could bat right at the top of the order. And uh, you know he'll he'll sort of be, I, I guess, what I thought VR would be, which is a table setter, a guy that will get on base, steal bases, and 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 give you, I think, more of a patient approach, more quality at bats. Although he does strike out, we understand that, but everybody does really in the big leagues. So uh, I thought it was a, a very big get and a big signal. I think for not just this year, but I think the signal more for 2021, where I, I think they'll even surround Marte with somebody else potentially in right field. Uh, as well so that that's where we stand with that they gave up a uh, Caleb Smith who Miami got from New York for virtually nothing and they've turned him now into Starling Marte so you certainly right. have to applaud that uh, I'm a big Caleb Smith fan and I think that he's going to do really good things in Arizona I think it's a great get for them and more of a get for them for 2021 uh, I watched uh, Mike Hazen their general manager I watched his uh, his zoom um, I, I believe it was uh, last night. It was like 45 minutes. I watched it, and, and the Diamondbacks are prepping for 2021. That's a great organization, and right now, uh, the Marlins and Diamondbacks have really good relationships at the moment. This is the second straight year that they've done deals at the deadline. So, uh, I'm a big fan of Arizona as well, and a big fan of what they're doing. They got Gallon. Clearly, Gallon looks like he's an ace in, in baseball. He's he's been fantastic. So, uh, the the other player in the deal was Humberto Mejia. And, and and Humberto Mejia, Jeremy, seems to be the one player that came out of this this COVID nightmare that actually worked to the Marlins' benefit, because clearly yep. the Diamondbacks would have very little to see and know on Humberto Mejia had they not been able to witness some of the games that he pitched at the big league level out of necessity. So mm-hmm. there are silver linings to the, the COVID stuff and the players being out, and, and I don't know that they're able to get that done without Mejia being in the deal. The Diamondbacks wanted him, for sure. So we wish Humberto the best as well. Maybe he turns into, I would say, maybe a four or a five starter in the big leagues. I think he could certainly be that. He was rushed and pressed into big league action at least a year ahead. But that turns out to be the benefit of Miami because the Diamondbacks are able to see him, scout him, look at him against big league hitters, and inevitably make that trade. And so that's more or less how that trade happened between Arizona and Miami. And like you said, at least two-fifths of the Arizona Diamondbacks starting rotation next year will be former Marlins pitchers. So a good relationship there. The other deal, you mentioned Jonathan VR as, you know, Starling Marte replaces him in the order as the table setter, the center fielder. Well, Jonathan VR, who's been playing mostly second base, made a great play at second base yesterday, actually, to save a run for the Marlins before being taken out, gets traded to Toronto for Mr. Marlins' son himself, Griffin Conine. Not Jeff Conine. Griffin Conine, who was drafted by the Blue Jays a couple years ago out of Duke University, big power prospect. What's your thoughts on that trade, the VR for Griffin exchange? Yeah, really, really interesting deal there. And and again, early in the day, uh, I had gotten, first of all, I want to backtrack here. In the morning, I wasn't aware of anything really happening. So I got to be transparent about that. I was unaware. As the day started to go on, and then when uh, Ken Rosenthal sort of uh, tipped off on on VR being interested, uh, or I'm sorry, the Blue Jays potentially being interested in uh, in VR, then of course you know just like I would tip them off. I mean that's honestly the way that it works. Uh, right. In this case, they tip me off. So by saying that, I was aware at that point after asking some questions that there was no doubt that Jonathan VR was going to be traded by four o'clock Eastern. So why, why did they do that? Why did they acquire Jonathan VR in the offseason and then flip him now? 
when they're in uh, arguably a, a pennant race. And, and I think that those are fair questions to ask. Now, a couple of, uh, about a week ago or two weeks ago, I asked Don Mattingly on one of the Zoom calls about, about, about VR and just the way that he plays. And that if you look at the back of Jonathan VR's baseball card, you're going to see a great player. I mean, you're going to see things that very few baseball uh, guys at baseball do. You're going to see a player that is worth four or five wins in terms of war. So what was what was the deal? So what was the difference between the VR on the back of the baseball card versus the VR that played for the Marlins? Well, I, I think it's different. When when you see a player play every day, it's a lot different than just watching a highlight. And that's not to say that the Marlins didn't advance scout VR last year. That's definitely not the case. But there, there's not as much familiarity with a player that you can have outside of just simply asking questions and understanding who the player is. And Jonathan VR is a is is a uh, eccentric, uh, is a bit reckless, and and is sort of beats to his own drum. And I compared him to Yasiel Puig in that way. And mm-hmm. from what I was told, I understand. That was the most accurate comparison that I could make, at least from people who have told me that that was uh, that's pretty much accurate. Now, VR is a very nice guy. Uh, he is always answering questions to the media, yep. maybe even more than he should. He's very honest to a fault. He definitely has passion for the game, and he definitely plays the game hard. But I don't think that the way that he plays suits the way the Marlins want to play, where he, he's more of a player that's, I would say, an individual player. He is going to do what he wants to do. And that doesn't make him bad. There are players like that in the league that that are going to steal every time, that are going to swing at the first pitch. These players exist. And, and some of them have a lot of success playing that way. And my guess is VR will continue to have success in Toronto. And, and after the season, he'll definitely get a new contract with somebody else. And he'll be a good player. But... It's just not the way that the Marlins want to do things. And they decided to move on from him. And I thought it was an amazing gesture by the club to let him and Humberto Mejia fly back on their plane from New York to Miami, where VR faces off against the Marlins when he is on the Toronto Blue Jays. So that's a part of it because it is a pen and chase. And when and, and VR is going to give you, for the most part, quality at-bats. He's going to do that. He's a, he's a quality hitter. So losing that, who are you replacing him with? Well, you're sort of replacing him with Starling Marte. So that that was kind of the swap there as far as a quality at-bat guy with speed that could that could change the game. That's who Marte is. The other thing that I reported yesterday is that Isan Diaz is in Jupiter and he's waiting to be approved to return. That's certainly a good sign. Um, Diaz has had a very, I would say, exciting start to his career, a tough finish uh, to the beginning of his career last year and then looked so good in uh, in the early part of this season that they are super excited to get Isan Diaz back. So that's a big part of the equation. And I think it's a big part of the future for the Marlins too to see yeah. in these final 25 games or so if Isan Diaz could play and if he could play second base. I, I think they have to know that because you're, you're seeing a lot of young players that have come up for Miami and have struggled in a big way. A lot of the young players. And look, you could say, oh, they're getting good at bats and guys are getting on base. But I mean, look, the numbers are what they are. And and Mike Trout's numbers are what they were in his first year, too. Yes, that's true. But if you're chasing a postseason berth, you cannot live with Harrison striking out 60 percent of the time. You cannot live with Jesus Sanchez 
once every four times up walking and saying he had a good at bat. That, that's what development is. And Don Mattingly right. has said this is not a development year. So with Cooper coming back, I think that solves one problem. Harold Ramirez coming back soon, I think that solves another. You're getting more quality at bats there. Hopefully the young guys that I just mentioned can get more minor league seasoning time. But I think the signal uh, for me also was the fact that with Marte now in center field, it sort of signals the end for anybody else who potentially could have played center field over the next two years. Uh, Counting on Sierra to play every day in center, that's gone. Counting on Lewis Brinson, regardless of how he's looked over the last week or two in center field, gone. And uh, and Marte's now the guy in center. Dickerson is the guy in left. And and I think next year, J.J. Blade will be the guy in right, would be my guess. Oh, boy. So, so uh, that's how that went down. And in terms of Griffin Conine, Griffin Conine is, uh, is somebody who the, the Marlins, of course, wanted because of, of the background of playing at Duke and, and being the son of Jeff Conine. And I know previously there was a little bit of a strained relationship with Jeff Conine and the new uh, ownership group um, just because of, of the way things happen. But I talked to Jeff last year when he was at the ballpark and he seemed to be at least more enthusiastic about being able to be part of this. And I think he needs to be. And so this is a this is a huge move to make that happen, too, I would think, with having Griffin Conine on the squad. Now, in terms of Conine's ability, I think there's still a huge TBD on that. I, I'm, I, I can't yeah. I, I know what his numbers are, but he did have a bump on the road for sure, uh, getting popped for PEDs. He was out for a period of time there and the Marlins still are, are, are basically taking a shot here. And he's a top 20 prospect in the Jays system. The key is this. The Marlins essentially traded nothing for Jonathan VR, and for Jonathan VR, they're getting back a top 20 prospect on a, on a, exactly. on a Major League Baseball club. It, regardless of what his name is, that's what happened here. It's a win. It's a win. So I mean, that, that's all it is. I mean, it has to be. They just yeah. basically traded one asset for another to improve their farm system. Well done. I thought Mike Hill did a great job. I thought that with, with the players coming back along with the trades that they made, there isn't a lot to, to look at to question. We thought perhaps the same thing last year. Zach Gallen has clearly outperformed. I, don't, I mean, the Marlins can tell me one thing. Zach Gallen has outperformed what yeah. they thought he would be. I mean, that, that, from based on what I was told, thus far, they are wrong. I mean, that's it's point terrific. blank. Thus far, they are wrong. Now, that's not to say that Jazz Chisholm may not come up and be an all-star could very well happen. Right. But based on the information that I was given about Zach Allen, they, they are wrong on Zach Allen thus far. He Zach, it looks, Zach Allen looks like he could be a star. Uh, but again, when you're reshaping and reforming an organization and when you're light on certain things, you have to make those sacrifices. That was the one that they made last year. This one is Caleb Smith. We'll follow Caleb Smith's career as you should. When you make a trade, you have to see the outcome of all the players that are involved. And the Marlins come out of this heading into a series in Toronto with with an all-star player in center field and with a few more players who seem to be heating up at the plate. You know, you have Griffin Conine that you brought in. You have Starling Marte that you brought in. Were there any other moves that were on the table for the Marlins? Before we do get to the baseball that's actually about to happen tonight, were there any other moves that came close to happening for the Marlins? Yeah, there, there were. Uh, there were. Uh, um, you know, relief pitching was was a pri- uh, a big priority I would say going in but the asking price on on a lot of the players was just way too high 
So the, the names that, that I went through here that were possibilities at one point was Stalmont on Kansas City, who I don't know that the Marlins really loved, but the price was just so high on him. The Roy- and he's having a great year for, for the Royals. I think that they want to move mm-hmm. him into the closers role in 2021. By the way, Kansas City wants to win next year, too. So that's another interesting uh, tidbit there. But yeah, so Stalmont is someone that was coveted by a lot of teams. Price was high, but the Marlins liked a player better. The player that they liked better was Miguel Castro on Baltimore. Mm. They saw Castro against them uh, when the season uh, resumed a couple of weeks ago. And I know that uh, the Orioles vice president, general manager, Mike Elias, uh, loved Castro too. And as it turned out, the Mets basically... I guess you want to say they sort of, I don't know if they outbid the Marlins, but the, they, they get, the Mets gave up more than the Marlins wanted to on him. But that was absolutely a player that they, that they liked. And I can tell you that they were very impressed with the way that Castro has looked, not just this year, but over the last couple of years. And I personally like the player a lot. And I, and I've commented to others about him as well. So that, that could have been somebody that, the Marlins could have gotten. I believe Ken Rosenthal reported that Michael Givens was another player that was involved. I don't know how serious that ended up getting, but I believe Castro was one name that maybe we'll just circle for the future, Jeremy, as a possibility if he becomes available again. All right. So the trades were done with that aspect of it. Now let's talk about the ball club. They're 15 and 15. They're technically sitting in playoff position halfway through the season. It's what they talked about at the beginning. You're in first place on, you know, on August 1st. Here we are on September 1st, and the Marlins are still in playoff position. They've got two upcoming with Toronto, three with Tampa, three with Atlanta, and then seven with Philly, who's sitting right there with them. Should be a fun stretch. Let's start with what we expect in these next couple of games against Toronto. Yeah, every game is huge now, and, and the Blue Jays have been playing great baseball. They, they've added some extra pitching. They added Ross Stripling. I don't believe Miami will end up seeing him. But the key moving forward, honestly, is, uh, is, is figuring out how to win games at home and figuring yeah. out how to beat left-handed pitching. And by the way, on Wednesday night, the Marlins are going to face Hunjin Ryu. And the Braves mm-hmm. acquired Tommy Malone. You may laugh at that, but they just cannot, for whatever reason, master these left-handed pitchers. So that's something to watch moving forward. I think if they get that straight, I I think there's a chance that they could really make a run at this thing. But until that, like the book is out now on the Marlins, the Rays pushed back Tyler Glass now because they wanted another left-hander going against the Marlins. They faced three straight lefties and you know, the Rays are intelligent in terms of the way they do business. So that that's going to be something to watch. But for me, the other thing that I, I believe is going to happen and I've said this now for a couple of years, and I really think you're going to see it in the last 30 games, is Garrett Cooper, I, I think, is yep. is really in store for uh, something special here in, in the final month. Garrett Cooper has, has had issues staying on the field, but I, I think a lot of those were really unlucky with him getting hit. And, and, and again, in talking to people, I, I think he was not given a fair shake. I think he's playing a little bit with a chip on his shoulder. I think that maybe... There's part of him, and if you go back to spring training, I interviewed him. I think that there's a part of him that's really playing like, you know what? I'm going to show who I am and what I can do. I believe that that's part of this. And in addition to that, from what I was told, in Jupiter, when they had the restart, he was the best hitter on the field, and it wasn't close. 
So mm-hmm. all of those things combined, maybe we shouldn't be that surprised, but do the Marlins have a bona fide 40 home run hitter over a full season in Cooper? Because I don't see anybody else on that club that is. So I, I, I'm going to keep a close eye on this for the last 30 days because he, he in the last week has looked like he is really ready. And oh, yeah. uh, he had a big home run against the Mets to win that game on Monday. So that, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to seeing these young Blue Jays. I think the Marlins and Blue Jays are, are kind of along the same path. I believe they're both yeah. built to win in 2021. And they're kind of going for it this year a little bit, too. And I wouldn't be surprised to see both teams in the postseason next year as well. So uh, looking forward to this series, of course, Jeremy, the Marlins go back on the road after that where <laughs> they play great. <laughs> so they'll, they'll continue. I'm sure they'll continue to do that for whatever reason. They seem to just they seem to just get it on the road. But in closing, a, a fun deadline, another fun deadline for me. And I thank everybody for listening, as always, to the podcast and supporting me on social media for all the work that I do. And, and I made a comment yesterday afterward that, that th- what, what, what I do and Jeremy, what you do, it's very hard to do. It's, this, it, it is not easy to get news and break trades and, and, and get information. You have to build a lot of trust and you have to really understand that, that people are people. You, you, you have to get to know people. You have to get to understand people. You have to really uh, gain people's trust and admiration And I'm very fortunate to be in the position to be able to do that and be mentioned among all of the other people that do this and and do this for a living. And I feel very fortunate. And and honestly, I feel honored to be credentialed uh, by the Marlins. I mean, without without my ability to be able to cover baseball and cover the Marlins, this is what I want to do. This is what I am passionate about. And if someone is listening out there and you are passionate about something, it doesn't have to be baseball— it doesn't have to be reporting. It can be anything. It is never too late to start trying to accomplish that goal. What, what, what are you waiting for? Uh, I, I understand it's a very difficult time for everyone, given the nature of what's happened. But you, you, can, you can change your future by starting something today. And a few years ago, I decided, uh, on top of working for uh, SportsGrid and SiriusXM, that this was something that I felt like I could be good at. And the reward, as you can see, is here. So doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, because uh, I am uh, nobody would consider me a young guy at this stage after being in media for 20, 25 years. Start now and you'll see a reward. Whatever you do in life, your future is wide open. Amen. Craig, you deserve the praise that you've been getting. Uh and trust me when I say I appreciate that advice that you've been giving me for a couple of years now and I'll continue to explore this passion amongst others thanks to your uh, guidance and, and, and support. So thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone listening to this podcast. We really appreciate you. Go give us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to the pod. Go follow us on social media at Swings and Mishes on both Twitter and Instagram. And we look forward to speaking to you guys again next week.